Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm glad you're listening this morning. We're going to be talking about post-election hope this morning. I think everybody is looking for hope. And something that most of us have come to realize, whoever we voted for, is that the best candidate could never fully offer us the hope that we all yearn for and that we're all searching for. So as we think about the election that just passed, whoever you voted for, I want to encourage you that there is true hope that you can hold on to regardless of your perspective on the election. If you voted for Mitt Romney, you're probably a little bit frustrated with the results of this past election. There is hope for you today. If you voted for Obama, you're probably excited about the election. Don't worry. (laughs) There is going to come a time when you realize that Obama himself cannot fully meet all that you want him to do. And so you too will need hope, and I'm going to talk about that hope this morning. So wherever you're at on the political spectrum, today we're going to talk about hope, and I think it'll be relevant to where you're at. So thanks for tuning in this morning. I think this really will be one of the most important encouragements you could ever hear, because we're going to be talking about something so significant, something that every human being yearns and longs for. So why hope? Things have never been better. The future has never looked brighter. Peace, prosperity, and security have never been more evident, and the American dream is alive and thriving. Well, we all know that's not the case. No matter who you are, you've probably recognized that things look quite precarious around you. Times are definitely uncertain, and we all desperately need hope that's greater than what we're seeing on the news. As we look at these terrible things, We can have hope, and it's not necessarily going to be in a political leader. Psalm 118.9 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And Psalm 146.3 says, Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. So as we think about where things are at, we need to remember that our trust and our hope is in the Lord. So some statistics about where things are at today 75% of the people around you are stressed out, 15% of them are depressed, and 15% of those will commit suicide, 36% say they're lonely, 25% don't have one real friend, 22% have an STD, 33% of women and 17% of men were sexually abused as children, 26% of the young people around you have been raised in single-parent homes, 20% of the population is either unemployed or underemployed. Home values are plummeting. Some areas have seen values drop over 20%. Foreclosures are at their highest level in history. 17% of college students engage in self-injury like cutting. 14 million people in the United States abuse alcohol. And 95% of alcoholics will die from their disease. And they'll die approximately 26 years earlier than their normal life expectancy. 25,000 people each year are killed in alcohol-related vehicle accidents. 8% of the U.S. population uses illegal drugs. I could go on and on. We all know that the economy that we are in is in serious trouble. 
you've probably begun to hear of the fiscal cliff that is approaching in the next 40 to 50 days. That fiscal cliff is not called a cliff for no reason. It's called a fiscal cliff because we will face dire consequences if serious cuts are not made. We are facing some hard times. Beyond our own economy, the economy across the world is in shambles. And so many potential dangers lie ahead. We have an incredibly divided country. Both Mitt Romney and Barack Obama took about half of the vote. That means that about half of this country is completely unsatisfied with the election, while the other half is excited about the election. It's been that way for many, many years. Fundamentally, our country is divided, and that is a sad thing, something that causes us to yearn for hope. There is international chaos in addition to what's going on in this country. Just think of the standoff between Iran and Israel over Iran's nuclear program, which many experts agree will be dealt with in the coming months. Most likely, Israel is about to strike Iran to prevent Iran from acquiring a nuke to do what Iran has said they would do, wipe out Israel. It's an existential threat to Israel to allow Iran to acquire a nuke. But if Israel does hit Iran, which most experts agree they will, and very soon, we are going to have international confusion and chaos like never before. There will most likely be an incredible breakout of war and unrest in the Middle East, and most likely the United States will get involved in that conflict in some capacity. At the same time, an Israeli strike in Iran would multiply the cost of gasoline here in our country. We're not looking at a bright future. We desperately need hope. There are precarious times right now in this world, and we need hope more than ever before. And like I said at the beginning of this show, no politician is going to be able to solve all these issues. Our hope has to be in something so much greater than just politicians. Having removed God from our society, our country seems to be in a downward spiral, while the rest of the world is absolutely on fire. And no matter what side of the political, ideological, theological, or philosophical spectrum people are on, there is a common sense of dismay and fear, disillusionment with the way things are, and an apprehension about where they're heading. You probably understand what I'm talking about. You're probably already there. Regardless of what happened on Tuesday, you probably sense a desperate need for hope. So looking at all that is going wrong with the world, I want to share some hope with you. However you feel after Tuesday's election, you can have hope because our hope isn't in an election or in a politician. Our hope is in something so much greater. So take hope in what I'm going to talk about this morning. A Scottish proverb articulates this stating, were it not for hope, the heart would break. We desperately need hope. Mark Twain said, Lord, save us all from a hope tree that has lost the faculty of putting out blossoms. A lot of different people are talking about the war, the strife, the confusion, the failure, the broken relationships, unfulfilled expectations, the unstable economy, the problems that face us from seemingly every single direction. We need to see past those problems and have an assurance of true hope. It has been said that some see a hopeless end while others see an endless hope. I hope this morning that you will join me in seeing an endless hope. 
and noticing that you can have that endless hope no matter your perspective on the election and no matter your perspective on all that's happening around the world. So talking about hope, what is it? Hope is the ability to trust God and his sovereignty, protection, and provision regardless of the circumstances. An unknown author puts it this way, Hope is putting faith to work when doubting would be easier. When the world says give up, hope whispers, try it one more time. So we have a hope in Christ that literally allows us to put faith to work when doubting would be easier, as the quote says, and to try it one more time when the whole world says just give up. I was actually listening to a radio commentator the night of the election as I was driving home from campus, and he said, if so-and-so wins this election tonight, it's just time to give up. It's just time to quit fighting. It's just time to give up and go home and go to the bottom of the pile and quit working so hard. And I thought that's the most ridiculous statement that I've ever heard in my life. Regardless of where things are at, I can keep going because of hope. I don't have to wallow in hopelessness. So we as believers have a hope that is so great. And that is such a contrast to the lack of hope prevalent in the world. See, Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth. He lived a perfect life. That's actually corroborated by sources even outside of the New Testament documents. And the New Testament documents are reliable themselves. And he lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death for your sins and mine. But he rose on the third day, beating death, conquering death, so that each of us could have a real hope in all that he did for us, a hope of an eternity spent with him that we can have simply by putting our faith and trust in him. And similarly, we can enjoy an abundant life of purpose, meaning, and significance on this planet because of what he did. And he tells us, and I'll conclude with this verse in a few minutes here, but he tells us that whatever we see happening around us in this world, no matter how bad it could ever get, we can trust that he'll work it around for our good because we love him. That is a hopeful statement for all those that love him and have put their faith, trust, and belief in him. Following him because he's the only thing, the only person worth following. Scripture tells us to hope in the living God, the Savior of all men, to hope in Jesus alone, in his name, to hope in his word, the Bible, to hope in his love, to hope in his grace, to hope in his protection, to hope in his provision, to hope in his eternal life. All those things truly give us hope. Let me go through that again. Scripture tells us to hope in the living God, the Savior of all men. See, he really is our Savior when no other human being could possibly fulfill that role. Scripture tells us to hope in Jesus alone and in his powerful name. See, no one ever did what Jesus did. No one ever said what Jesus said. No one ever exercised the power over life and death in all the world the way Jesus did. And I can have hope in him and in all the promises that he makes to me. I can have hope in his unchanging word. The Bible is unchanging. It has been the target of critics for millennia, and it stands 
true. It stands solid. It stands completely hopeful. And the promises that God's word makes to me give me hope. And it is solid and unchanging in that. I can hope in his love. The Bible says that nothing could ever separate you from God's love. You can hope in that. Nothing, no matter what's happening, could separate you from his love. And you can enjoy that. And you can take rest in that. And you can have hope in his love. The Bible tells us to hope in his grace. God's grace is his unmerited goodness to all those that love him. And see, I love him, but even though I'm not perfect, I can hope in his goodness towards me. Not based on my perfection, not based on my performance, but rather based on his good and perfect character and nature. So I can have hope in his goodness towards me. I can have hope in his protection, scripture says. Regardless of the landscape of all that's happening around you, you can hope in God's protection. Scripture says that you can hope in God's provision. Regardless of the problems in the economy, if you love him, the Bible says you can trust that he will provide for your needs. Ultimately, the Bible says, I can hope in the eternal life that he offers. I have so much more than this world to look forward to. And that gives me hope when things in this world don't look so great. I have so much to hope in. Scripture tells me that if you're hoping in God, and I hope after hearing a little bit about why we should hope in God that you're there, Scripture says that those who hope in God will find rest. See, when I hope in him, my soul experiences peace and rest, not anxiety and stress. When I hope in God, Scripture says that I will renew my strength and soar on wings like eagles, that I will run and not grow weary, that I will walk and not be faint. Regardless of your perspective on the election, I'm assuming that you are at a place where you want to renew your strength, to soar on wings like eagles, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not be faint. So hope in the Lord and you'll experience that. The Bible says that if you hope in the Lord, you will be delivered, that you'll have endurance to persevere. So my hope for you is that you'll find hope in the Lord. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 91.9 FM and 93.9 FM here in Durango and KDUR.org online. We're talking this morning about hope and specifically about hope after the election or post-election hope. No matter who you voted for, you need hope. If you voted for Mitt Romney and lost, you probably are acutely aware of your need for hope this morning. If you voted for Obama you're probably also aware that he can only do so much and you'll need hope in more than just Obama and what he can do in the next four years. So no matter who you are, no matter how you voted, you need hope and you specifically need it concerning where our country's at right now. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Our ultimate hope, Jesus Christ. Psalm 71:14 says, But as for me, I will always have hope. And Hebrews 6:19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Whatever is happening around me, I have a hope that is firm and secure, an anchor for my soul. People around you are going to share false hope with you. Friends are going to tell you to live for the moment. Don't trade real hope for false hope. Various skeptics, critics, and atheists are going to tell you that there is no real hope. Don't be talked out of hope. Instead, I would encourage you to talk yourself out of hopelessness and to make sure to 
keep your hope, especially in these tough times. So many people try to find hope in money, degrees, careers, relationships, drugs, alcohol, gambling, what we used to call the five C's, cash, cars, careers, condos, and cuties. And those things don't offer true hope. Up to half of today's youth say that they are happier online than in real life. What an indication of the hopelessness so prevalent around each of us. All these other things that try to give us hope, all these other failed promises come up empty. There is no other true hope. Only Jesus offers true hope. Psalm 65.5 tells us that he is the only hope, the hope of all the ends of the earth. Psalm 25.3 promises that no one whose hope is in him will ever be put to shame. That's my hope for you, that you'll hope in him and never be put to shame. That's a promise in God's very word. Hopelessness is a quagmire of weaknesses, fears, insecurities, anxieties, and burdens that drown the hopeless in despair. Here are some interesting notes, though, about all this. There are some interesting paradoxes that we find when dealing with these issues. Weaknesses are beaten by getting weaker. Fears are crushed by fearing more. Insecurities are relieved by losing my securities. Anxieties are overcome by giving up control, and burdens are lessened by taking on a burden. Weaknesses are not corrected through getting stronger, but rather through dying and allowing Christ to live his life through me in the power of his Holy Spirit. Fears are not crushed by fearing less, but rather by fearing more, by fearing God rather than anything else. If I have a perspective on God that he is sovereignly in control of the universe around me, I will not fear what the future holds. I will realize that God is sovereignly powerful in all these situations. Insecurities are not relieved by gaining a confident self-esteem, but rather by losing myself in him, exposing my vulnerabilities and not hiding them. Anxieties, which at their core are a fear of losing control, aren't overcome by gaining control, but rather by losing it and surrender to God. As Piper says, anxieties must be cast, not carried. And it's in casting those anxieties on my Savior through prayer that they are overcome. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells you, to cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Anxious about the direction of this country, anxious about the results of the election, will cast those anxieties on Jesus in prayer, knowing that he cares for you, and also confident of the fact that as you seek him in prayer, as Philippians 4 tells us, those fears and insecurities will be replaced with a peace that surpasses understanding. So go to God in prayer with these anxieties, trusting him. Burdens are not, it turns out, lessened by casting them off, but rather by taking on a different burden, his burden, which is light, and his yoke, which is easy. His burden and yoke are the daily fellowship with him in his word, prayer, and fellowship with other believers. Remember what Jesus told you in Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Weary and burdened after the election, weary and burdened about the future of this nation, weary and burdened about your own life situations, circumstances, and issues that you see no solution for, come to him and he will give you rest. Life isn't found in finding life, but in losing it. And the person that has truly given up their life for Christ will live a fearless life without anxiety 
realizing that he is in control. Ultimately, hopelessness is not overcome by finding hope in various circumstances, by finding hope in an election or the results of an election, but rather true hope is found in the God who is God over all circumstances. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be interested in politics. I'm very interested in politics. I think that we should be good stewards of the freedom to be a part of the political process that we have in this country. And I've lived in countries where those freedoms are not evident and where people do not have them. So I do think we should be actively involved in politics in our country. However, my hope is not in political results. My hope is in Jesus. Scripture tells us that when things seem hopeless, be strong and take heart. Hold unswervingly to your hope because God is faithful. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, content in any situation through him, knowing that there is surely a future and a hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. So no matter how you feel about how things turned out this week, your future and your hope will not be cut off. They are secure in the Lord. God personally promises you in Isaiah 49:23, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. If you're hoping in him, you can be confident that you will not be disappointed, regardless of how you feel after this last week. Scripture tells us that hope does not disappoint us, that hope purifies us, that hope lives in us through Jesus, that hope gives us faith, love, joy, and confidence, and that hope makes us very bold. And that's what our country needs right now. People that have hope and that are bold about sharing their hope with others that don't have it. People that are bold sharing Jesus and the true hope that we can have with a hopeless world. Before Christ, Scripture says you were separate from him, excluded from his family, without hope and without God in the world, grieving like the rest of the world who have no hope. See, I don't have to grieve like the world that has no hope because I have true hope in Christ, a hope that so few others have. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So I hope that as you experience this true hope in Christ, that you'd share that with those that don't have hope. See, we who believe in Christ have a hope that is secure no matter what the circumstances, no matter the results of elections, no matter the news that we watch every night. We have an unconditional hope that's not based on circumstances. You have peace that surpasses understanding, protection no matter the dangers of this world, provision regardless of the economy, a purpose even when opportunities seem bleak, acceptance and love from those around you, forgiveness when you fail, and an eternity with Jesus in heaven. With that hope, your future is truly bright, and you really can change the world around you for the good. You can experience the purpose that God put you here for because you have a hope that so few others do. My prayer for you today is what Paul prayed for the Ephesians in chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, when he said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We truly can have that hope. And just as 
Romans 15.13 says, I also hope for you, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, brass tacks, you're probably feeling certain levels of hopelessness, whether that's from the results of an election that you were disappointed with or from the circumstances that you're facing in your life today. No matter your situation, though, you can overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit who's in your life if you believe in Jesus Christ. So again, before I close out the show, Psalm 118.9, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. In Psalm 146.3, do not trust in princes and mortal man in whom there is no salvation. Whatever you think about the election, your hope should not be in a politician. It needs to be in Jesus, the only one capable of solving the many problems that we currently see, and ultimately the only one capable of giving human beings real hope. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When that was stated, God's people were in Babylonian exile. They had been conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. And this was a painful time for them. They did not want to be in exile. They did not want to be under foreign rule and authority. You might sympathize with how they might have felt. And in that situation of seeming hopelessness, God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's his desire for you today, to give you hope and a future. Because you know that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a great future in him. Now, when he said this to his people who were in exile, they were looking towards many years of exile, but they didn't understand that in the future, the Persians would conquer the Babylonians and that Cyrus, according to prophecy, would allow the Jews to return to Jerusalem, that they would inherit back their country after exile. There truly was hope in the end because of God's great power. And God used that to show them the power of his word and the credibility of his word because of fulfilled prophecy. Again, we see a similar situation. Hitler and the Holocaust, a tragedy of all tragedies. Yet somehow in that situation, a door opened for God's people, Israel, to return to their homeland, the country of Israel. For Israel, once again, according to prophecy, to become a nation in the end days. Now, looking at these situations, we can realize that God is sovereign and that he can accomplish his purpose even in the worst situations. So no matter what you're facing, God will accomplish his purpose. He is sovereign. And you can trust him and take hope in him because of that. See, he will be glorified in your future. I'm asking you to get on board with him and allow him to work in your life to give you hope and peace regardless of how you feel this week. See, Romans 8.28 says that he will work all things around for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's you. So no matter what is giving you a sense of 
stress, anxiety, and hopelessness right now. He can work those very issues around for your good in the future. Trust him with that. That's my last request of you this morning, is to trust him as you seek hope in this life. I hope you got a lot out of this show. And if you're saying, I really want that hope that only Jesus can offer, you can come to him now and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner that needs your forgiveness. Please forgive me and come into my life. Please save me from myself. Please make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Please be my Savior and Lord. And if you just took that step and prayed that very prayer to him, he says that you've been adopted into his family. And I would encourage you to grow by taking a next step, by meeting with other believers that are going to encourage you in your faith. You could join a bunch of great believers that are going to love you for who you are at First Baptist this morning at 1045 a.m. They'll be meeting there at the corner of 3rd Avenue and 11th at 1045. I hope you'll meet with them there. You could also join us for Connect this week, Noble 125 at 6 p.m. It'll be a great night. Thank you so much for listening. And as I always say, please remember that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. You can have hope this morning. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great Sunday.